This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Rosa. In this episode is with writer and poet, Vianney Harelli. She is from Tijuana, Mexico, and she writes the most beautiful poems about inner child healing, transgenerational healing of trauma. She talks about her parents and their story and their wounds, and she is just so open and so vulnerable and such an amazing, amazing writer. I just love her work and everything that she has shared with the world. And in this episode, we dive a little deeper into her story and I get to ask her about her creative process and what inspires her to keep going, what motivates her to continue sharing her gifts with the world. I am sure you will love this episode as much as I did. Before we go into the actual interview, I want to remind you all to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified every time a new episode is dropped. I also want to encourage you all to please leave me a review on Apple Podcast. As you know, this really helps boost our presence on this platform, and I am so appreciative of your reviews. I read each and every one of them. I also welcome any emails or comments. I always provide my email in the show notes, so if you have any questions for me, you want to suggest a guest or nominate yourself to be a guest, feel free to reach out. You can also find me on Instagram, send me a DM, and we can definitely connect there. I'm also on YouTube and TikTok. As you know, this this um, podcast is also being shared on YouTube. So if you're more of a visual learner, make sure to check out the episode uh, of the interview on YouTube. I have both audio versions and video versions on YouTube as well. Now I need to give a brief disclaimer that this episode is not meant to treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition. This episode does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services. Guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective, and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Vianney Harelli. Take a listen. Hi, welcome. DNA to the podcast. Thank you so much for, for agreeing to come on. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, thank you. And you, so to start off, um, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, just for the folks that are not familiar with your work, who you are, where you're from, and the, the healing work that you do? <laughs> yes, so my name is Vianney Jarelli. And for those that ask me if that's my first and last name, that is not my first and last name. That's my first and middle name. And I, the reason why I don't use my last name 
ni el de mi mamá ni de mi papá es because I just at this point in my life and my healing journey I don't feel a very strong connection with either family not necessarily my mom or my dad but their sides of the family um I don't feel a strong connection and I also don't feel supported by them so I just decided to honor myself yo solita my inner child and in honor of that like my inner child my inner teen and my present self I just use my first and middle name and I am I call myself una artista fronteriza because I am from uh, Tijuana San Diego I go back and forth I was born in San Diego but I went back literally the day after I was born to Tijuana uh, both of my parents are from Tijuana and I lived there for 18 years until I um, graduated high school. And in between those times, I went to middle school and high school in San Diego. So I was crossing the border every day to go to school. And then I moved to San Francisco after high school to go to college where I got my bachelor's in creative writing. And then I had to move to Tijuana because of the pandemic. So I lived there for another two years. Y ahorita vivo en San Diego, but I go back and forth because my mom lives in Tijuana. Y no tiene, mi mamá no tiene papeles, so she doesn't cross, she cannot cross to the U.S., so I try to visit her as much as I can to see her, and yeah, so that's about me, and then about my writing, my, I've been writing since I was in sixth grade, um, we can talk more about that um, later, but I have been in this writing path for about 16 years now, so it's been a long, long journey, and I started my self-publishing journey in 2022, so last year, and I write my poetry now. I always say they are love letters in the form of poetry, and they are love letters, love outside of the romantic. So, you know, um, love towards my family, towards my community, my country, my culture, my healing process, my inner child, and then my past, present, and future self. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I think when when you shared uh, the part of you, uh, uh, you being in, in elementary school or being young and, and coming to school and crossing the border every day, I, I feel that so many people that I know personally can relate to that experience. It is a very mm -hmm. unique experience yes. for, for, for those that, that did that. And, and I have friends that that so when you said that, I, I immediately thought of, of, of my friends and when they were little and just every day, you know, they would wake up super early, get back home really late. Mm -hmm. And, and that, so that's a whole identity in and of itself, yeah. right? That, mm -hmm. that living in, in the border in Tijuana or Tecate, I knew mm -hmm. people from Tecate and they crossing the border every day. Yeah. Um, how has that, I mean, just to go back on to that part. How has that being, you said fronteriza, artista fronteriza, right? Mm -hmm. So how has that part of you uh, contributed to your creativity and, and, and where you're at right now with, your, with the work that you do? Mm -hmm. I feel like the most obvious one is the Spanglish that I use in my poetry. Um, a lot of people that kind of don't understand that experience always uh, comment on my videos or they ask me like, why do you use uh, both languages at the same time, porque hablas en inglés y español, escoge uno, or they're like, 
Actually, today I got a comment saying, te ves bien ridícula hablando en los dos idiomas al mismo tiempo. Yeah, oh, and so... People, people, someone that you knew or just... No, no, like a random comment oh. on a video. Yeah, that oh, I posted. Like, it's always random people that say yeah. these things. Um, and I know it's because they don't understand it. Like you said, it's a very unique experience. And I always talk about this with my friends too that are also fronterices, that it is a very specific experience that only people who go through it understand it like the whole is not just about crossing a physical border but there's also so many emotional aspects to it of I, I have a poem that I wrote in high school um, my junior year of high school um, called Ser Latina en Dos Mundos where I talk about how how to me how wild and even like surrealist it felt to be crossing this border and kind of shifting identities um, every single day so getting like you said getting up very early and then crossing to a whole nother country you're in a whole different country and me having to speak this other language that when I first started going to school in the U.S. which was sixth grade like the middle of sixth grade to me it was this foreign language and I couldn't even read a children's book in English so having to speak that language and then crossing back and then speaking to my mom and my dad in Spanish and kind of shifting those identities. And I always, I would always say that I felt like when I was crossing the border, I was living a part of me back home and back in Tijuana because of that shift. I felt like something was lost. The same way I feel that when I have to translate some of my emotions in my work, I feel like something is lost. Como que una esencia, una parte de mí se pierde. Por eso es que I, there are certain phrases that I don't translate and that I can't. It's not because I don't want to, but it's because there are certain emotions that have no translation. Porque para mí, siento que el lenguaje, el inglés es como muy frío, very distant, very cold. And that's not me, that's not home, that's not my culture. So I feel like being from a frontera, and constantly having that um, feeling of, oh, well, who am I? And going through that identity crisis um, from, from a very young age of who am I? Where am I from? What language do I speak? What, en que máscara me pongo hoy? Que personaje juego hoy? Because also even crossing that border and this whole thing of like border patrols and the questions that they ask. Um, and I remember like me and my sister having to say like, we lived in San Diego, but we were just visiting Tijuana when in reality we were living in Tijuana. So the whole like, no sé, como que tienes un personaje, el que te tienes que aprender, el que tienes que practicar. Yeah. So I feel like it, it still plays a role in my writing and in yeah, my writing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's so, I, I think folks that, you know, I, I can understand a little bit because when, when I was in college um, or, you know, in my 20s, I, I traveled to Ensenada a lot and mm -hmm. I, I would go there so often um, and I would get asked these questions and I would always get nervous and I would always, um, th there's this aspect of being questioned about your identity, mm -hmm. right? And literally who you are, why, why did you go to Mexico? Why are you coming back? You know, vice versa. Yeah. So, so I can, I can, in, the, in that anxiety that you feel, mm -hmm. I can, I mean, I did it as an adult, but I can't even imagine how it is to do it every day as a child, right? Or yeah. as a, as someone so young. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking about this to a friend uh, for a, an article that she's writing about um, how being an immigrant or crossing borders affects your inner child. And I was talking specifically about this, about how from a young age, so I started going to school in the U.S. in sixth grade. My sister was in fifth grade. So I do remember my parents telling us, okay, this is what you need to say if they ask, where do you live? If they ask, 
what were you doing in Mexico? If they ask this, say this. So it was like a constant thing every single morning of having that responsibility as a child of like, okay, this is what I need to say. And if I mess it up, I could put my, you know, my family in big trouble. And that's a big responsibility for a kid. Absolutely. And and, and I think that, you know, are you familiar with Gloria Saldua's work? Mm-hmm. I, mean, yeah. I, I wasn't, I mean, I became familiar with her work recently I mean within the last couple of years and honestly for the first time I was able to pinpoint what you know in terms of an identity culturally inter- you know need a key need a yeah but being just that in and of itself is an identity right yeah. mm-hmm. the fact that you belong to both Mm-hmm. And for me, that was an eye opener, you know, and I'm talking about being in my 30s, right? I didn't realize yeah. um, when did this, well, you know, well, let me, let me go back a little bit. When you, you talk about the Spanglish mm-hmm. and being able to embrace that and being able to, you know, people comment and, and just kind of understanding where they're coming from, but also being very sure of where you're at. How did that uh, evolve for you? I and mean, mm-hmm. what was shifted in terms of how you were able to identify yourself and be so at ease and embrace the, the Spanglish or the mm-hmm. you know, both languages, both identities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the language in my writing, um, it is also a reflection of my evolution as a person and in my identity as well. So my writing, when I first started writing, it was in Spanish, all Spanish. And starting to write since I was little and I would write songs in my journal and in my diaries uh, in Spanish. And then when I started college in San Francisco, I went to SF State. I, I wanted to major in creative writing, but in Spanish. But the university didn't have that option. They only had it for the English department because of budgeting reasons. And they also didn't think that a lot of people would want to major in that in that language for some reason. And so I had to do it. Um, as part of the English department. And I came in, you know, with my writing in Spanish and I came in, you know, being very proud of that and being very proud because I, I also didn't take into account how different my experience and out of the ordinary, it would be up north in, you know, the Bay Area because being in Tijuana slash San Diego, it's very common to see people, you know, crossing every day to have people that speak Spanish as, you know, their first language or um, I went to a high school in San Diego, Southwest High, that's very close to the border. So like 90% of the students spoke Spanish, the teachers as well. So then moving to San Francisco, I, I thought that it was going to be the same, but it wasn't. It was a complete opposite. So I remember being in my classes and having my writing in Spanish and having professors that asked me to, you know, translate my work. And so then I started tapping a little bit into the Spanglish because I was like, okay, I guess, you know, because this is for a grade, like I need to do this to graduate, to pass this class. So I'll start writing a little bit in English because by then I already knew English very well, how to speak it and read it. But some phrases I would leave in Spanish for the same reason of I, I just didn't want to translate because I I felt like those phrases deserve to stay in Spanish. Yeah. But my professors, my classmates would constantly ask me to translate. And I had some professors that would even write notes saying like, oh, write in English, like reminders to write it in English. And so then I just got tired of it, of having to constantly translate for my classmates to having to explain some of the cultural and political parts of my poetry, because it it does, it exists in my poems. It's not just about, you know, 
me, but there's so many cultural layers that I feel like are so specific and are, are so personal to people. And that's why a lot of uh, Latinas can relate to my poetry because it's also cultural. And so then I was like, okay, I'll just write in English. And that's when I started writing in English. And that's when I went through like a whole identity crisis of like, who am I? And I started reading Gloria Saldua in college as well started reading her work of ni de aquí ni de allá. So I was like, okay, am I English or am I Spanish um, in language terms? Um, am I, you know, a, a U.S. citizen? I am a U.S. citizen. So am I American or am I Mexican? You know, like all, all these things that I was wondering. And it wasn't until after that I started kind of reconciling the two and realizing that I could be both. And I could, you know, be both the person that I am in Tijuana, Mexico, and the person that I am in the U.S., and not uh, in my poem, the Ser Latina en Dos Mundos, I do, I, there's a line that says, um, Aprendí a partirme en dos y no sentir dolor. Um, knowing that I can have multiple identities, multiple, um, you know, memories, languages. And that's when I was like, okay, my work will be in Spanglish. Y de ahí no me van a mover, aunque la gente me diga ridícula, que me digan que no le entienden. Yeah. You know, like, and there's been people that um, tell me that or, or that say that people that speak either or of the languages that tell me to choose a language and so it's also part of that of tal vez ni de aquí ni de allá pero soy de aquí y de allá y también mis idiomas también voy a ser español inglés y no tengo que elegir uno and that's okay and I feel like whoever can relate to it will relate to it yeah oh my god so beautiful thank you for for sharing that and, and I want to go back a little bit to how did you find your your voice as a, as a poet as a as a writer, you know, how, how were you able to tap into that, that gift that you have to, to put such beautiful words on, on paper and, and express it in such a way? Thank you. Um, so I feel like it was something that I discovered from an early age. And I talk about this a lot and I share this story a lot, but it's because I want people to see that when something is meant for you, it is just meant for you. And I tell people, I, I may have found it when I was in sixth grade. You may find it when you are a teenager. You may find it when you're an adult, when you're in your late forties, you never know, but you'll find it. It will come to you naturally. So for me, it was, um, so I, I was, like I said, I, ha I had my diaries and journals just because I've always been a very quiet kid. And I was always very observant in my family, in my my culture, um, my my city. So, yo siento, yo siempre le decía a mi psicóloga, yo cuando pienso en mi yo de chiquita, I think of myself as a secondary character and someone who's just watching and observing people going through things and my family going through things, dealing with things. And so because I didn't want to add to what my family was going through, I would just write in my diary. And that's where I would write my emotions, my thoughts, my observations, my feelings. And so then when I was in sixth grade, I'm, I think my mom told my teacher that I liked writing because there was a writing contest and my teacher, um, his name is Mr. Rosillo. And I will always mention him because I, he is the reason why I discovered my purpose. And I always mention him because that, to me, that's the importance of having teachers and mentors that believe in you and that will help you and support you. And that's also um, to me, that's considered chosen family as well, Absolutely. having someone who, you know, roots for you, get the apoya. Mm -hmm. So he asked me to participate in the contest, but initially I said no, because I didn't know how to read English. Um, my first year of sixth grade, he asked me to read um, a children's book that they were reading, and I couldn't understand the book, so I started crying, and I ran out of the classroom, so... 
I was like, if I can't even read a sentence on a children's book, how can I participate in this contest? There was an essay contest. So I was like, there's no way I can write a five paragraph essay. And he said, I'll hope you will use Google Translate. We'll use a dictionary. Like, just just participate. He like, he really believed in me. So I did it and I turned it in. And two weeks later, he calls my mom and he tells her that I won the contest. And the day of the ceremony, I remember that I was reading my piece. I como pude así con mi inglés todo mucho. And I remember reading my essay and I look up. It was this big ceremony. It was in, um, for those that are from San Diego, it was in Mission Valley. It was like this big room and it was full of, um, my family was there, my teacher, but also a lot of strangers, like hundreds of strangers. And so, because the, the contest was um, elementary, middle school, high school, and adult level. So there was a lot of people. And I was reading my work and then I look up and I see people crying in the room. I see like my mom crying. I see my dad con los ojos llorosos. I see strangers that I don't even know that were crying. And, and that's the moment that I, I realized like, well, my words have some kind of power and strength to be able to move these people that don't even know me, don't know my story because my essay was about my mom. So I was like, they don't even know me or my mom and they're crying, they're emotional. And so then I that's when I told myself, okay, like there's something there and I want to explore it. And I want to, I want to dedicate my life to this, to be a writer. And so from there, I haven't stopped. Like I've been writing ever since and doing things towards my, my writing career. So it's been about 16 years. Wow. That's a beautiful story. And thank you (laughs) for sharing that. And and I'm curious, how has your, your, your own healing, emotional healing, and you know, how has that evolved with your with your work as a writer with with your you know, with your career have have you noticed that they go hand in hand or what have what have you noticed from from mm-hmm. your career and your own healing yeah I do realize that they do like without me even trying to make it about healing or my I didn't even write these books to like these will be for me to heal. Um, that wasn't my intention, but it just happened naturally. And my writing has been through a lot of, I would say like, like genres or style of writing, because I, when I was in college, my writing was about politics and politics in Mexico. Ella hablaba mucho como de, pues lo que estaba pasando en México, era en el tiempo que Enrique Peña Nieto era presidente, so I would write a lot of poems. I'm talking about Enrique Peña Nieto. I would go to a lot of protests. I was reading a lot of, um, and I was a lot in the college courses about politics and um, Latin, not just Mexican politics, but Latina politics. So I was very involved in it. So my writing was strictly about that. But it was also a time in which I was going through a lot with my family, my own romantic life, financial life. It was my lowest point. So I was focusing on politics kind of to distract myself from my own I guess my own wounds and my own um, feelings and my own I was also very suicidal during those times so I I had to focus on some things and it was politics and I back then I didn't even know about inner child or generational trauma I did not know those existed and so then when I started therapy in 20. I actually have the date on my arm. I have it right here. I got it tattooed. It's my first day that I went to therapy. So July 8 of 2020 is when I started therapy. Um, and that's when I discovered the inner child and generational trauma. And to me, it was like, 
like a whole new world of the idea of a lot of the things that you go through as an adult are a reflection of your inner child and the things that you haven't healed. And during the time of therapy, when I first started, I was very angry at both of my parents, at my family, a lot of things that I didn't understand about them because I didn't know about generational trauma. I didn't even know that they had inner children that were wounded as well. So um, my therapist, because she knew that I was a writer, she, me dejaba tarea como de escribir. Me dejaba tareas de escribir cuentos con mi, de mi mamá, poesía, letters, things like that. And these are exercises that I do in my workshops, actually. And I always say this is a, an exercise that my therapist did with me and it helped me. So I want to share it with you because it helped me so much. So that's when I started. Um, my writing started shifting from uh, politics. And there was also a period after politics where my writing was very inspired after surrealism and like mucha fantasia y era lo mismo because I was going through the lowest point of my life. So I was writing um, in ways that I could disguise my pain and what I was going through because I didn't want people close to me to find out about the things that I was going through, especially my mom. So I would make my writing very este, pues, surreal de fantasia so that I could tell people oh this is not real this is fiction this is surrealism and then when I started therapy my writing shifted completely towards um, healing inner child and when I, I came up with the idea of writing my books I, I started the idea from an anger point I was like okay I'm gonna write this book and I'm gonna expose everyone that hurt me I'm gonna expose my my family my parents and it's gonna be revenge for me like, you know like I was at that stage of um, grief because it is grief you're we're constantly grieving as people with trauma even if you know you're grieving someone who's still alive or who has passed away we're always going through that cycle so I was at that stage of anger and then as my therapy progressed and my own healing process progressed um, I realized that I my anger was I didn't want to be consumed by that anger so I started shifting from anger to compassion and empathy and kind of understanding my parents' inner child, my family's inner child, and why they are the way that they are without excusing them or justifying them, but just understanding. And so that's when my my poetry started being the poetry that is now where I write. Now I write from a place of compassion. That's why I say that they are love letters, because regardless of what happened or the pain that has been caused, I still want to understand them and see where it came from and wish them well and I always tell them it's never too late to heal so that is that is, it's a lot but that's like the timeline of my work and how it has helped me and not just me but also it has helped my relationship with my mom specifically because gifting her my books and having her see the things that I never talk about with her or that I never shared with her it helps her see me in another light and me seeing her understanding me and seeing me in a different light also helps me see her in a different light. So it's helped our relationship tremendously. So when it comes to your own healing, it sounds like, you know, definitely therapy, writing, all of this has evolved. You know, and initially it was used almost as a distraction from everything <laughs> that you were going through. And then eventually it became this, this art, you know, your art and, and through that, you've been able to find so much healing and validation. And where, where in terms of how your poetry, your writing, how is it helping you at this point in your life? You know, and in what ways is it 
amplifying or just helping you at this point of your life or your healing? I think one of the ways that is helping me is now that it's been published and it is out for the world to read, it's making, it's helping me feel less alone. I know a lot of people that read my work, they tell me, oh, your poetry makes me feel less alone. But my readers make me feel less alone because I, when they relate to my work, it makes me see that there's other people with the same feelings or similar feelings, stories, traumas, backgrounds. And it makes me feel like when all of this time and growing up and with the family that I had and the generational trauma that we had, it was very lonely. And being, you know, the oldest daughter, being a first generation student, the first in my family to move to the U.S. and go to a school in the U.S., um, being the cycle breaker in the family, it's a very lonely journey. So writing about it before publishing was also very lonely because you sit with your thoughts and your feelings and you're writing this all out. And then once I publish it and I see the way people have been, receive, have been receiving it y las palabras que me dejan, los mensajes que me dejan, it makes me feel less alone. So it has helped me in that way. But also it has um, helped me too with the concept of family. So when before I used to feel, you know, like there was something wrong with me because my family wasn't supporting me or there was something wrong with me because I just couldn't find my place in the family that I was born into. And then finding all these people and all of these circles and communities that support me so much and where I can be myself and talk about these things openly without feeling judged. I started learning about chosen families and the fact that even if it's not going to ever be the same and the wound would always be there, or I hope that one day it won't, but at least for now, it's still there. Um, it helps a little bit in, you know, knowing that there's people out there who might not be, you know, biologically or blood related to you that are willing to support you. And now that I'm at a better place emotionally, thanks to my own healing process, therapy, publishing my work, I feel like I'm in a much better place to be able to help others and, you know, um, use any of my knowledge or resources that I've gained to help others, which is why I like hosting workshops and doing poetry readings and um, doing webinars online, because I just feel like I'm at a place in which I can now focus on helping others because whereas before I was focusing on surviving and staying alive and kind of on or on fight or flight I don't know how you say that mode yeah, but now I'm, flight, no longer, yeah. mm -hmm, I'm no longer in that state y estoy como que más calmada más en paz que siento que puedo compartir alguna de mis cosas o como compartir esa luz que tengo ahorita poquita con la gente no, I think that is such a beautiful way to to share and, and, and to show the, the the emotional healing and progress that you've done from where you started in in your you know just as your you know your career as a writer to where you're at now. So much healing has happened, and now you have enough to give to others, right? Mm -hmm. um, you have you have that place where you now you can share it, and and that in and of itself shows the growth and the healing that you, that you've done. So. In, in regards to, to where, you, where you see yourself next as a writer or um, what you put out for others or even in social media, where do you see yourself going? Do you see yourself you know, making more poetry, writing more books, mm -hmm. doing more workshops? Tell us a little bit about what you envision for yourself moving forward. 
I there are so many plans I have <laughs> for my writing and deep down in my heart I I trust fully that I it, it can come true just because of all of the things that I've been able to accomplish with the help of so many people and the support of so many people so obviously I do want to continue writing poetry and um this book my latest book I I talked about this recently of how I put part one on the title page because I want there to be more parts just because I uh, we say healing is never ending and never linear so there will be more um books and I want them to come naturally I don't want to force myself to say like I need to have this by this day because then it won't it won't be natural and organic so I want to write more poetry but I also want to um my next plan is to kind of work on my my I want to do like a short novel of my experience as a first-generation student in San Francisco, all the things that I went through that I haven't really shared in um, writing format. Um, so I want to do that, and I, I want to explore film as well, and I want to eventually, if I can, with the support of, if I continue to get the same support and I continue to be financially able to, I want to do workshops, but I also want to eventually help out other aspiring young writers I have this dream of wanting to do scholarships for um, youth that want to be writers like um, high school through college students um, just because I did not have a lot of financial support I, I had FAFSA but I'm like so in so much debt from college because I, I had to get so many loans so I want to be able to do that and I want to do more for the community in the financial aspect if I can just because I know that it, it costs money to be able, unfortunately, we live in a society that you need to be um, making money and investing money in order to do these things, and especially if you're self-publishing. So I hope that in the future, um, si la vida me deja y si el apoyo de la gente me deja, pues poder también um, dar un poquito mi granito de arena a la comunidad de esa manera. Oh, so beautiful. And so tell us about the, the books that you have out now. And I have both that you offer and I absolutely love love them but can you tell us a little bit about your books and and yeah and, and what we can expect mm -hmm. so I have my first self-published book was the plants are burning and that one has poetry it's in Spanglish um, both of my books are in Spanglish um, it, the plants are burning has poems from 2015 through 2022 so there's seven years worth of poetry there but that one is <sighs> I always tell people you can you can understand it when you see it because it's a, a book that's very visual so that one is divided between poems related to plants or fire because those two specific things are, are symbolic and they symbolize some trauma that I had either in my childhood, my teenage years, or my college experience in San Francisco. So there are poems that are titled Planta and they have, they're related to plant and what it symbolizes and then uh, Fuego and they're related to what it symbolizes. And then at the end of that book, there's a section that is called and it's five poems to family and I decided to include that section at the end just because I wanted it to be a transition to my newest book which is here are the tears I you and we didn't cry 
because I had both in mind already. I had them both in my head and in my drive, but I wanted the plants are burning to come out first because I wanted people to know a little bit about me and about my the root of my traumas and the things that I was healing personally. So that book is a little bit more personal. So that when here are the tears, I you would I you we didn't cry, which is a little less personal, more for, you know, families and um, Latinas to relate to so that people could kind of see, okay, this is the person that's writing it with the plants are burning and this is their work and we can kind of see. And and I tell people, you don't really need to read, you know, them in order, like one or the other, but if you want to get to know me first, read the plants are burning. And then the other is more, como más en general para la gente, so that it could be applied because I do realize that, many people will not relate to many of the poems in the plants are burning because there's there it's my experience it's my my very unique and a, a specific experience well, it um, tells a, a beautiful a story right of of, of mm-hmm. pain and, and and so i i found it just very I, I i loved it because i was able to 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 get a sense of your story mm-hmm. and you know and, and through poetry which is so beautiful right Th- through each poem you get a glimpse of of what you went through, which helps understand then the second book, because then you Mm -hmm. have this broader, more healing approach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the way that I actually think about them is that the plants are burning is more a little bit of when I was still a little angry and there was a lot of anger and confusion because these are things that happen in, in college when I had no awareness of inner child healing, generational trauma. So there was a lot of confusion and frustration with each of the things that happened to me and that I had to deal with by myself in a, in a city 500 miles away from my family. And so then here the tears is kind of like when I'm coming down from that anger and, and tapping more into my my compassionate side when I now know that there's a child inside of me that is you know wounded and wanting to heal. And I forgot to say that the plants are burning has its translated version called Las Plantas Se Queman, the plants are burning, where on the left side is Spanish, the right side is English. And then the here are the tears, I, you, we didn't cry, it is half Spanglish and then half translated to Spanish. Yeah, I, I love both of them. And there's, there's some poems that I've heard you recite and, and read out loud and, and, and it just, um, it adds uh, another dimension to it because you know it's it's a story, but the way you you sh- you narrate, especially on, on the videos that I've seen on TikTok and, and Instagram, the way you narrate, I find it very unique. And it's especially when you're talking about the inner child, it just it just has that very soft, gentle, but powerful element mm-hmm. to it. I don't know if you've gotten that feedback of your of your your voice narrating your poems. Uh, feedback of my voice uh, yeah the way you narrate the way you recite <laughs> yeah. is so mm-hmm. it's so unique and so beautiful thank you yeah uh, it, that's something that has been surprising to me the way that um because I used to upload my poetry just in written form like in on Instagram and I first started uploading my poetry on Tumblr like back in 2014 2015 then I moved on to Instagram and so when I started uploading my poetry on TikTok in video and audio form a lot of people would comment about that about my voice and I was like I I had never thought of it you know as something that would kind of add to the poem and the way that I'm narrating the poem so I think that's 
not just the content of the poems, but I think my voice was also something that helped them um, get so much traction and support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, for me, I, I came across your, you know, your social media first, and then I purchased your books. And so when I read your stories, or when I read your poems, I, I, I hear your voice when I'm reading. Yeah, that's what so people tell me. I'm yeah. like, oh <laughs> that's yeah, so no, it's, it's lovely. And, and I think it just adds to the depth of, of what you're sharing. So yeah, and so thank you so much for, for sharing and for being vulnerable and sharing your story. And for the folks that would love to get more from, you know, familiar with you, your work and purchase your books, how can they find you? Where can they go? So I post my work and also I announce a lot of my events on my social media mostly on Instagram so my Instagram is the first one to see about my events and also updates about my books and whenever I'm shipping them so my both my Instagram and TikTok are the same they are at uh, um, the way that it, my name is spelled and I also have a website that is linked on my bio that's where I have my books where I sell my books that's where I also um, have a section of upcoming up and coming no upcoming events <laughs> the workshops readings any any kind of event I'll, I'll be a part of I share them there so that people can keep up and I offer workshops and readings and um, all kinds of events in person but also online just because I know there's people that read my work outside of San Diego or outside of California, Southern California. And as of now, it's, it's not easy to travel, you know, outside of my state, especially because I don't have a car yet. So it's hard. So I try to make my workshops also online for, for those that would like to still join. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. And to end our Earth chat today, um, would you read a poem from one of your books? <laughs> Yes, of course. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I have my books right here. Um, and I will read um, Carta de Amor a las Ovejas Negras. That's one of the most popular ones that yeah, people really love. Beautiful. And so I people always ask me to read that one. So yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Okay. Carta de Amor a las Ovejas Negras. This is a love letter a las Ovejas Negras de la Familia to those who carry the weight of breaking a curse no one before them had the tools to break. Cargar en la espalda como mochila y cemento siglos llenos de dolor. You go to therapy because you know it needs to end y te conviertes en el chiste de la cena los domingos por la tarde. Un abrazo en forma de carta y poesía para quienes por fin dijeron no. And now during holidays you see other families smiling at dinner tables and loving each other and you don't understand why that can't be you. Es como sentir un abismo del tamaño de algún planeta. Saber que mamá y papá sufren heridas que nadie les ayuda a sanar. Your mother's inner child is hurting, but what about yours? You want something different, something better than the ways that you were raised in. Pero nadie nos dijo que cambiar las cosas nos traería tanta soledad. But remember, it ends with you and no one after you will suffer like you and your parents did. Abrázate muy fuerte. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us. 
to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on, you can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast. And you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to sharing with you again next time.